people say that sometimes, despite all the good training, God leaves their self-will intact. He does. Children have grown up in ministers' homes, and some will serve the Lord, and there may be some who choose not to. You say the scripture, bring up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It still does not take away self-will. You've done your part. You've done your part. And that's what's supposed to happen. So let's read the Word of God today. Where I'm going to go today, and you could probably maybe boil down this, the places that I'm going to go to do a baby dedication to probably three or four spots in the Bible. And I have just happened to choose in 1 Samuel and verse number 9, when it talks about the story of Hannah, who the Lord had withheld children from her for a purpose. If you have not had children and you want to have children, there's a reason. It's not because you've done something wrong. It's not because God's mad at you. We always seem to think because something good doesn't happen, God's mad at us. No, there's a purpose. And I'll tell you one thing, God's smarter than you are. He's got that down pat. He's smarter than you. And yes, even those that know it all, he's smarter than those folks as well. But in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, verse number 9, we're in a transitional area in the Bible. We're going from the time of the judges, the time of Samson, the time of Deborah, and other judges that God had ruling. And we're slipping into a time of the kingdom, the monarchy. Saul is ready to step up to be king here in just a few short chapters. And after that, King David. So the monarchical period is just ready to begin. But here we have where Hannah, who is childless, is going with her husband to the temple. And in her heart is a purpose to ask God for a child. Very, very important to Hannah that she have a child. It was looked upon with most highly favored for a woman to bear children to her husband in that day and time. Much more than what you might think of as in our culture. In the Hebrew culture, it was absolutely a highlight, the acme, the apex of their life to be able to bear children to carry on the family name. So Hannah rose up, verse number 9. After they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk, now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow. That's what some of you are going to do today. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look in the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Don't you like that phrase? A man-child. She didn't want a baby boy. She wanted a man. You've heard my sermon about men and boys, haven't you? She wanted a man-child. 
Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. It was rather the vow of a Nazarite, a separation. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. She's there. Her lips are moving. Nothing's coming out of her mouth. Eli, as you read the entire story, will find out that he's not particularly spiritual. He had the position, but he wasn't right with God. Now as we look, and Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunk and put away thy wine from thee? And Hannah answered and said, No, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have neither drunk nor wine nor strong drink, but I've poured out my soul before God. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. That was a very, very wicked person in the Old Testament. Daughter of Belial, son of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Would you look to the Lord? Father, we thank you for this day that you have purposed here, Lord God, that we would gather in your name to give you praise, to worship you, to honor you. And Lord, this day dedicate children and parents unto you, O God. Help all of us, Lord, to understand what you require of us and what our relationship ought to be like, Lord, in our new covenant with Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for his grace and his mercy and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And everyone in God's house said, Amen and Amen. Turn and shake your neighbor's hand. Tell them they're not looking half bad this morning. Don't tell your wife that. Not unless you want to sleep by yourself tonight. This is a true story. I'm at work this week in the metal fab, metal fabrication. Was bringing my computer up. When you bring your computer up, your desktop. Um, yeah, this is old school, old desktop type computers. Don't don't even go there with the portable stuff. Uh, just an old anchored down, nailed to the floor type of computer. And my uh, face page, my desktop comes up, and there is my wife on a carousel on a horse with her hair kind of blowing in the wind with her big smile and those beautiful green eyes. And a new guy on the crew says, is that your daughter? That's my woman of 42 years. That's who that is. Sorry about yours. No, I didn't say that. The man's not married. But I think those kind of things... When I was in elementary, 
You know how old school elementary moms would come and be helpful to the teacher and bring cookies and you know, you would have a time, and, and some of you are identifying. They don't probably do that anymore, but the moms would come, and my mom would come, and to me, she was beautiful. Just a, she was. She was a beautiful woman, and then my friends would have their mothers come, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I feel sorry for you. I'm sorry, fella. It just must not run in the family. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just telling you the truth. Children are a blessing unto the Lord. Amen? They're a blessing from God. And you say, I know you're thinking, you, you haven't been around my children. I've had four. The first one we had, oh, let me tell you, from day number one, the nurses were complaining that he's keeping the whole floor disturbed with his crying. And I want to tell you the trouble didn't stop there. So don't tell me that, that you, you have just this horrible behavioral problem with your child. And I know nothing about it. I know all about it. I've had three boys and I've had a girl. There's a big difference. If all you've had is, is girls, there's a big difference when you have a boy. And, and they're all different in their personalities as well. You say you, you raise them up and, and they're, they're all going to do just right. Well, not according to my dictate, but I believe that the Holy Spirit has his time, has his place, and that everything is going to turn out right. Can you say amen? Now, this woman named Hannah, I want you to get the picture. This is back in Old Testament times when the Hebrew family sometimes consisted of more than just one wife. I'm just telling you the truth. New Testament says that a man of God, that a deacon in the church, anybody should be the husband of one wife. And it's not talking about divorce and remarriage. It's simply talking about now God has a better plan for you that one wife is enough. And I can say amen to that. One's enough. But at that time, there was more than one. And at that time, Hannah had, had someone else in the house to contend with. And this woman was having babies, and she wasn't. Can you imagine the strife and the emotional turmoil? But her husband, Elkanah, loved Hannah the best. Now, there's another problem. I didn't realize we were going to get into all these problems this morning, but let me tell you something. If you favor one child above another, you are doing wrong. I know that doesn't equate with wives, but we, we're not there anymore, and I'm glad we're not there. But when it comes to children, you show favor to one, and you keep one under uh, in, in a disciplinary situation at all times, are you showing them that you don't? They know that. And did you know that mom and dad stand between the child and God? When a young boy looks at his dad, he sees Superman. When a young child, male or female, sees his mother, that's Miss America. That's who it is. 
I remember as a youngster, four, four, maybe five years old, my mom, old black and white TV as it was back in the 50s. Yes, I'm older than dirt. <laughs> Miss America pageant came on the TV and here's these young girls strutting around in their one piece and doing all of that. And there's my mom in curlers and her hair wound up probably for Sunday the next morning. And you know who I thought was prettier than all them youngsters on TV? It was my mama. So you, you stand between the child and the, and the closeness of relationship with the father. And when they see you, they see the Lord with skin on. So if you show favor to one child over another, you're telling them that's how God is. And God is not that way. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. And so we should not be respect. Now you do have to handle children differently with the different personalities. Some of my children spend a lot of time sitting in the bathroom, on the toilet with the door shut. They probably knew every square inch of that place. Because when they sassed their mama, they got toilet time. I wouldn't dare say anything about spanking children because somebody would go on Facebook and say that I abused my children. But all of my children have a job. I have three boys. All of them are policemen. There was law and order at the White House. I don't know what's there now, but in my time, there was law and order at the White House. My daughter, she's been a banker, and she went through a program and now has become a medical assistant in the Kaiser at Oakland. There is something to be said about bringing a child up, showing them love, and going to work every single day that you can get away from the toilet. That's the only thing that kept me home, is if I could not leave that little water closet, get in my car, and go to work. That's what they saw. The mentality of a work ethic that you work every single day. And you don't call in sick and hit the golf course. You go train up a child in the way that he should go. I'm going to ask you today, what is your theology on that? How do you train a child up? Do you say, do as I say? Or do you say, do as I do? Do you cheat on your taxes? They'll find out. Do you lie when it's a lie of convenience? They listen and they know. Do you talk about the pastor behind his back? They hear every conversation with their very acute hearing. And they pick up on more than you give them credit for. 
By the time they're five years of age, their personality has been cemented. Whatever you teach them in the first five years, it's cemented in their character. If they see that telling the truth always, Brother Gary, always is very important and vital because Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. When you always tell the truth, you never have to wonder, what did I tell this person before? Because if I told them something that was kind of shady, I better remember to keep my story straight. Oh, it's quiet in here today. I like it when you shout, and I like it when you're quiet. Because it's coming home. Do as I say or do as I do. Hannah made a covenant with the Lord. She said, if you'll just give me a child, I'm going to give that child back to you. She didn't say, if you give me a child, I'll serve you. No, she was already serving God the best she knew how in Old Testament times. She was serving God. If you give me a child, I'm just going to turn around and give him back. This covenant with this one lowly spirited woman gave Israel one of the greatest prophets that has ever lived on planet earth you will not find one thing against the person of Samuel Samuel was the young child that God gave Hannah and when she had weaned this child when she when this child had become of age were able to leave the mama and to go and live in the temple with Eli, she brought the young child Samuel and gave him to the Lord. Eli, the Lord had quit talking to Eli, quit showing him open vision, quit giving him the oracle of God. God was waiting for a purposed man whose heart was turned toward the Lord. Let me tell you, if Samuel could do this in the day and in the time when the blood of Jesus Christ has not yet been given to man, when the Holy Ghost had not yet been made available, surely you and I today can make a covenant with the living God. Father, if you'll forgive my sin, I'll serve you till the day I die. Serving God in that day and time was much more difficult, I believe, than it is today. But one thing is different. Those people purposed in their heart to serve God. The law was very restrictive. The law had its parameters and you better not go outside of that or you violated the law. The Hebrew had over 600 minor laws along with the 10 words. You call them ten commandments. They call them ten words that they had to follow. And she had purposed in her heart to do everything the best that she could. But Lord, if you'll give me this child, he's just going to be turned right back around and I'll give him to you. What kind of covenant can we make with God today? 
Well, we're not under the old covenant. But there is a covenant because God is a covenant God. We get married. We stand before God. We make a covenant one with another. Why? Because God is a covenant God. We bring our children. We dedicate them before the Lord. And we covenant with God that we'll bring them up. The best that we know how according to New Testament dictates. Somebody say amen this morning. So what can you do today? To put it very simply, be like Jesus Christ. Live your life as though Jesus Christ is hearing and seeing and doing those things with you that you allow. If he can't do those things that you allow, you're not living like Jesus would live. Now this is not a, ser a sermon about do's and don'ts. In the new covenant, it goes beyond do's and don'ts. It gets into living for God and being victorious and having a fruitful life, having the love of God flowing through you so you will not want to do anything to anybody else or to your testimony that is unchristlike. Somebody say amen this morning. So the covenant she made, I'll give them back to you if you'll just give them to me for a short time. I'll give him back. And oh, what a difference that one lone covenant made in the history of Israel. For Samuel was the prophet that transfixed the period of the judges and brings in the period of the monarchy when Saul and David, and some of you are thinking, yeah, Israel asked for a king and that was not God's will. If it wasn't God's will, it wouldn't have carried on. The perfect situation would let it be a perfect theocracy. One day that theocracy will exist on planet earth when Jesus Christ himself sits in the temple and in Jerusalem and he rules and reigns on planet earth and all the kingdoms and the nations of the world shall bow before him and give him praise, glory and honor. There's one thing about Old Testament covenant and New Testament covenant that remains the same. In the Old Testament, it was all about loyalty. That's what it boiled down to, being loyal. I said this last week. It wasn't a contract. There was not a contract. A contract is, I'll give you $500 if you'll dig a ditch in my front lawn so I can put a pipe in there. That's a contract. You don't do that, you're out of here, I'll find somebody else. A covenant is a contractual agreement. You will be loyal one to the other. I will be your God and ye shall be my people. A loyalty agreement and covenant. And loyalty is best expressed through obedience you can't give God anything 
you, you, you pull your money out of your wallet and you wave the biggest denominator that you have in there. It doesn't impress God. He's not impressed. He, he's not impressed when you play your horn as best you can. He's got angels that could blow circles around me. You can sing like an angel. He has angels. You can preach like you fell out of heaven. He's got preachers in heaven. He invented everything that is so you cannot impress him. But you can be loyal to him. And loyalty is best expressed through obedience. How do we obey? We behave ourselves like Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Well, it's a gift from the Father. It's the brand new covenant. It's his shed blood. Aren't you glad that we don't have to do all those laws that are in the old covenant? Let, 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 me, just, let me just give you a splattering of the law. You couldn't plant one type of corn and then plant beans right next to it. No, they, it all had to be, otherwise it, it could have mixed and there could have been a hybrid and the hybrid may have not been good for you. You could not mix milk with beef. So if you like having an ice cold glass of milk with your hamburger, you violated the law. And the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, you violate in one point, you're, you're, you're as good as dust. It's over. Let me let the ladies feel comfortable this morning. If it's your time, you've got to separate yourself from your family for a solid week and live in a special house somewhere in the city. Do you want to do that? No! That's not God's plan for you. There's other things, but we've got a mixed crowd here. Men, you had your things you couldn't do either. If there was something that happened in the night, you are clean, unclean until the even, Until the evening. Do you want to live under that? No. We can make a covenant with God, and it is through Jesus Christ. All the law, all the prophets, everything that you can think of in the old covenant rests in the person of Jesus Christ and welcome him into your life and asking forgiveness of your sins covers a multitude of laws and transgressions that you would be guilty of. You don't know what Jesus really did for you. He released you from the bondage of sin and death. He welcomed you in to the house of God. And your closest relative is not an amoeba. It's not a chimpanzee. It's not something that came out of an oozing pond somewhere back in the primordial age. Your closest relative is the Lord God himself who on the sixth day made you in his image. That's your closest relative. That's who wakes me in the morning. That's who gives me drive and power and victory. That's who says everything is all right between you and I. That's the one that says enter into the holy of holies. 
Let's talk together with the Father. That's the one that says, I'll empower you with the Holy Spirit. And you'll be able to do things that they wasn't able to do in the old covenant. You see, all of those people had to live without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus baptized the church with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, it revolutionized the relationship between God and man. Revolutionized. If you don't have him, you need him. The Holy Spirit will help you love the unlovely. It'll help you love the pastor. He'll help you submit to authority. He'll help you to see where you are wrong. He'll help you to see that you don't know everything, even though you're sure you do. Here's what education has taught me. The more educated I become, the stupider I get. Because the more I know, the less I know. The more I know about God, the less I know that I know, don't know about God. And now I'm getting confused. He's greater than my imagination. To me, as I look at the word, I believe every word. But I think he's even bigger than what I can comprehend from the word. He's the ancient of days. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning. He was before the beginning. And he'll be there when the smoke clears. Do as I say or do as I do. If you're ready to say, do as I do, I want those parents and children to come stand up here. Better be careful because the anointing's here today. Grab a hold of your neighborhood. If you bring yourselves and your children up that are here for dedication, I'm going to call on some of our young ministers to help me when we go to pray. We're going to pray for these children. We're going to pray for the parents. There's not a thing I can do outside of prayer and blessing for these children. This prayer of dedication does not guarantee they're going to serve God no matter what. It does guarantee that you're going to bring them up to know God. I did that in the White House. My dad did that. Let me tell you something. Moms and dads, my father didn't stand one second with letting me sass my mother. Not one second. Today I find it deplorable, deplorable beyond measure when a man does not respect a woman. It's deplorable and it's the generation we live in. Isn't this wonderful to look and see these families and these children? And I'm going to read to you today. This is a vow. This is a dedication, not only of your children, there's great responsibility on you. Because you have said within you, not just do as I say, you're saying, do as I do. 
I want to ask you one, one, one other thing. If you're a different person at home than you are here, you're not living really the do as I do because you're sending a message of confusion. Your children need to see you in church as you act in church as you act at home. Amen? First, I'm going to read a charge and ask you some questions. And if you agree with them, and I'm sure you will, just say, I will or I do. And I'll wait for your response. And then when we get to the part where we're going to dedicate your children, I'm going to have as many young ministers that will help me to come lay hands on your child. Some of the little ones probably won't let you transfer them. But there's so many of them here, I couldn't do this by myself. And I ask that the congregation would pray as we pray for them because it is, we are a community. We're a community in the Lord. That's what it's all about. All right, here we go. Do you, as the parents of this child, understand that the vows that you are about to take are binding before God as long as this child shall be under your care and government? And you will answer, I will. Will you, as the parents chosen by God for this child, promise before God and this people that you will endeavor to bring up this child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that you will instruct him or her in the teachings of the Bible? Thank you. Will you teach him or her to pray and to show the worth of prayer and supplication before God and seek to lead them to an early experience with God? Then I would ask for my helpers to come and find some children. I think you're going to have to lay hands on more than just one. Praise the Lord. I wish we could do this every Sunday. I think last week we baptized at least 25 in water. And one day these will be candidates when they make their own decision for Christ. Would you just lift your hands toward the Lord then, Father? Thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for these parents and these children, Lord, that stand before you. We give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood. Thank you, Lord, for fulfilling the law. Thank you, Father, that you have granted us eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Son. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God be with you this week. And may the Lord give you peace. Amen. And amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.